Mom, I'm doing Frog Pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Frog Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Flanagan, alongside my co-host, Mr. Alan Taylor. Well, Alan, the Frogs won. It didn't look great. And the Frog Pod Parlay, for the first time in its history, went over. Not a single one of our picks won. Yeah, we're losers. Uh, It was just a shame in the history of this great podcast. I mean, we've been doing this now for, I think we said this is season four. And I think we started doing picks in season three. I think with the occasional, you know, lock of the year in the first few years, but we really failed our listeners. And I I feel bad for letting down the loyal fans of the frog pod. And you know what? There's only one place we can go and it's up and it's going to happen this week. I'm not guaranteeing five and zero, oh, but I'm guaranteeing three and two. If we don't go three and two this week, we will be taking a week off. <laughs> if I go zero oh and two and the lock of the year doesn't hit, I will be taking off for two weeks, and you will be making all five picks. Oh, oh Jesus! Even, even scary. I'm proposing these terms, just in terms of what we need to do as a podcast to be better. I want to be better for our listeners. And I apologize for what we did last week. It, it was truly a shame. And there were some good here's, – here's what I'm saying. And this is when you know you have a problem. Um, I make a lot of those bets again. The Texas-Bama under was such a smart play. Like anyone who bet the over in that game felt lucky that they got out of that one alive because they know that they were just in misery for the whole game. And then don't even get me started on what those despicable people out in Lubbock did. I mean, Tech plus seven, you're, you're up by two scores in late in the third quarter, and you don't even cover. I mean, unbelievable. It was truly one of those things that you, you're you watching the game and you're like, oh, Tech might win this game. And then you turn it on with about two minutes to go whenever the Texas game ends. And then it's like, oh, they aren't even going to cover the game. They're going to lose this thing. And basically they're 0-2 in a team that, team that people thought had a chance to make a playoff. So everything's going downhill in Lubbock. Yeah, not great. I mean, what can you do? But uh, this week we're going to be better. So get right to the picks. We usually wait, but we want to get you guys the picks early. Uh, first part of the show. And then we're going to dive into TCU's game versus Houston. And, and you know, it's not a really great slate, as you'll see from our picks. So we're not really going to talk about the rest of college football. We'll talk about what happened last week a little bit. But we're really key on this Houston game. This is a big game for the Frogs. But before we get into that, our picks. Alan, my first pick is actually going to be a Big 12 opponent going on the road to a G5 team, a G5 team that I have bet before this year. I'm going to go with Ohio plus three at home versus Iowa State. This is going to be a slugfest. You know, Iowa State's heartbroken after the loss at home to Iowa. I think that they're going to overestimate this, how talented this Ohio team is. And also, frankly, Iowa State in totality, I think is the worst team in the Big 12. I don't just what happened to them is is very sad, unfortunate to an extent. Um, but they, they've left a lot of holes in this roster that already wasn't very good. And I think Ohio is in a keen spot to get a P5 win here. So give me the Bobcats of Ohio plus three. 
Yeah, I like that pick. I actually think Ohio, if their quarterback wouldn't have gotten hurt, would have beaten San Diego State week zero mm-hmm. and possibly even been undefeated and even ranked going into this matchup. So I really like this pick here. I, Ohio definitely is the live underdog to win the game. Yes, Alan. So what's your first pick of the weekend? Uh, for my first pick, I'm also going to choose an underdog, and I'm actually going to choose a home dog, though, as I'm going to pick Mississippi State plus nine and a half against LSU. I think Mississippi State's team this year they, is, frankly, playing for a lot. This is their first big stage since Mike Leach passed away. I know they played Arizona, but that wasn't a true SEC type of you know game that they're going to be playing in here. Catching nine and a half at home. Will Rogers is the superior quarterback in this matchup to Jaden Daniels. That may be a hot take, but I'll stand by that. They haven't used him right yet this year. And you know what? I think they're a live dog that, you know, not enough people are talking about. And I definitely think they cover the nine and a half. I mean, this is a a line. I'm going to steal a quote from our friends at cover three, Tom Fernelli shot to the podcast. This is a line where, if you know college football, you're thinking, how the hell is LSU getting nine and a half points? Here's the thing. Vegas makes these numbers so it's they can get as close to 50-50 on each side. If if you're really rating this accurately, Mississippi State probably is a less than a touchdown favorite, but that would get so many people on LSU that would be a liability for them. So they're going with the nine and a half, just to give themselves an extra insurance. So I, I agree with you on that one. I, I will be betting this one uh, probably big and – I truly believe that this Mississippi State team, who's been waiting so long like actually be recognized by everyone as being that underrated SEC team, will finally get it this Saturday uh, and send LSU into kind of a frenzy, actually. Yeah, uh, so moving on from that, what's your second pick? My second pick is going to be similar to the last pick, the lock of the week last weekend, uh, a night game between two big programs. Uh, these programs reside in the SEC East. I'm going with the under between Florida and Tennessee. 58 and a half is a lot of points. Both these quarterbacks aren't very accurate. Graham Mertz, I think, is not very good. And Joe Milton can throw the ball to the moon. Just don't ask him to hit the moon because he has accuracy issues. I think Tennessee also is a very good defense that's very underrated. That's going to give Florida fits. So even if Joe Milton... Brew McCoy and all those guys are going off. I don't know if Florida's offense can do enough to contribute to this number. So I'm going to strongly and confidently take under 58 and a half points for that battle in Gainesville. Yeah, I really like this pick too. I think that it could be a situation where Tennessee has a big scoring day, but I just don't think that Florida is going to be able to do that. Remember last year, this game was really competitive out in Knoxville. It really went down to the wire and I believe it came down to an onside kick, but this year, I, I think this Tennessee team is just so much better that they're going to be able to get a hold of this game early. And they may score 40, but I just don't think Florida is really going to be able to get to 20 points that they would need for this thing to go over. So I like this pick, too. So moving on to my final personal pick, I'm going to stay in that part of the country, but I'm actually going to go with former friend of the podcast, Tom Herman. Uh, Tom Herman and Casey Thompson now are reunited at Florida Atlantic, and they're going up and playing TCU's former offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley, on Saturday in Death Valley, Clemson. But at the same time, this isn't the same Clemson team that we've seen in years past. They struggled last week with Charleston Southern. They were only up by three at the half. And I just don't think they're going to be able to beat this Florida Atlantic team with the amount of talent they have by more than 24 and a half points. So give me Florida Atlantic plus the 24 and a half. I don't think they win the game but I definitely think it'll be played closer than 24 and a half points. 
It's a very fair pick, Casey Thompson, from a Nebraska quarterback. And truthfully, honestly, if you're a Matt Rule right now, you'd rather have Casey Thompson than Jeff Sims. That's a whole other topic. So that leads us into the Frog Pod Lock of the Week. We're going with a team that TCU's already played this year in the Colorado Buffalo Coach Prime. It will be playing in the Rocky Mountain Showdown this uh, Saturday night, 9 p.m. on ESPN. We're going to go with the team total for Colorado over 41.5. They scored 45 on TCU. They scored 38 on Nebraska, and they had a quote-unquote good defense. I didn't buy that. I just thought they just played slow-paced offenses that showed. And truthfully, this is going to be Prime's last tr- – this is the last point in the season, really, that he'll be on this stage and be able to flash everything before we find out if they're actually real or not. So people say that regardless of what happens, they're a real team. I personally don't know if they'll be able to compete in the Pac-12 just because how loaded it is. So with that being said, I think Prime's to make a point to embarrass Colorado State and let it send a message to the state of Colorado as well as college football going into next week's battle versus Oregon. So give me over 41 and a half for the lock of the week. Yeah, I think this Colorado team is going to be able to try to put on a big show Saturday night, and I easily think this thing will clear. I mean, it is a week where a lot of people are saying the slate isn't that great in college football, but we just gave you five winners. So at the end of the day, you just got to play them and then see how it plays out. Exactly. The, the weeks where you're like, oh, I don't love any picks, that's the week where you have your best weeks because at that point you're going off of – you know, your your mind instead of your heart. Because last, you know, you get the big games and marquee ones. You you pick what you want to see. You pick what you think should happen. But this one, you get down in the surgical with it. And this is where you make the best picks. So those are the five winners, Alan. Frog Pollock will be, need, need a good week this week. We need to go three and two for people to get picks next week. And you need to go at least one and one uh, for your sake to, to have two more weeks of potting. Or at least. Well, yeah, one and two. One and two. One and two. Excuse me. Excuse me. My apologies. Speaking of one and two, that could be TCU's record after this Saturday um, against Houston, Allen. This is a, sh- surely a matchup that we circled earlier. I mean, this has been a game the whole entire time, but we were like, this this is going to be a test. And now we thought we'd look better at this point, but now it's just a very real possibility of what really could happen in Houston on Saturday. Yeah, it's not exactly how I thought I'd be feeling coming in, coming into this game. I mean, being one and one is what it is. Like, this team, neither of us thought we were going to make the playoff. And in reality, that's the only thing that I don't think we can accomplish that's left on our schedule. And even then, I guess there is a way that it probably could happen if we were to run the table and win the Big 12 title game. But we got to win this game first before any of that conversation can even begin to happen. I think that it's just a big game for us for a lot of reasons, but it's frankly a bigger game for Houston. Houston is a team that a lot of people had very low expectations for and even kind of said, you know, it might be a contract type of year for Holgerson. He needs to win this game in order to remain their head coach. And this is the first Big 12 stage he has, 7 p.m. at Houston. So it'll be interesting how it plays out in front of, a, let's just say, not exactly the crowd Houston thought they should have for their first Big 12 game. You know, Alan, um, first of all, I think there could be a lot more TCU people in this crowd than uh, we're ready for, which I think is going to help at times limit the hostility of this environment. If we're going to be brutally honest here on my end, um, I'm terrified because this is Houston's first game. Like you said, everything you said, 
it, but it's just the consistencies that we haven't seen. And the fact that Houston is a team that, well, composite ratings will tell you that they're the worst team in the Big 12. And I believe this wholeheartedly just from a, a depth perspective, a talent perspective, a physicality perspective. But when you lose to a rival that is not does not play football nearly the same level that you're supposed to be playing at, and Rice last week, they were down 28 to nothing, Allen. Rice was cooking them and let them come back. That's even scarier. Because it's like, it would have been different. They would have came all the way back and won in overtime versus Rice, but they lost. That's an embarrassing loss for a pro that just got elevated to P5. Because once you get to that P5, you start to strut your stuff a little bit differently. And rightfully so. Houston's earned it uh, both as a program and as an athletic department. But it, this just walks into a trap. TCU's a minus seven and a half point favorite right now. A lot of the a lot of the bets are coming in on the frogs, but a lot of the money is going towards Houston. I mean, th- this is the classic. It's not a trap game for TCU because I I don't believe that Sunny Dykes allows for trap games to truly happen. But with SMU being next week and with Houston just losing the Rice, this is a spot where. TCU players need to be fully locked in on this Houston team because they do have the coaching and the talent to make this close enough where if one ball goes their way, they can win this game. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this Houston team isn't bad. They have a lot of transfer portal guys that I think are undervalued by the composite type of ratings that are experienced at the P5 level and are going to be able to compete with a lot of our athletes. I think that besides that point, I think, Houston's a team that they can play a lot of different ways. When you watch how they played against UTSA, they really tried to slow that game down and really let themselves kind of just hang around and win the game by one score by forcing UTSA to make mistakes. And then, as you mentioned last week, they were able to lead a big comeback. They were able to score a lot of points in the second half where they needed to to be able to have a chance to win the game. So that's a scary part, too. It's not like there's a clear path for TCU to win the game. We just got to play a good, solid football game our own way. So I'm going to ask you to expand on that, Alan. Um, what would you say the key to – like what, what does TCU have to do if they're going to win the game? Like this is, like there's a lot of things you can do to get by, but what's like the one thing that has to go TCU's way – that they must do for them to come out of Houston 1-0 in conference play? I think we have to contain Donovan Smith on the ground. So their quarterback right now is the guy that used to be at Texas Tech. He played a few games for him last year when they were rotating through all three guys they played. And Donovan Smith is the type of guy that he's not like – he doesn't always look to run, but he's a pretty good runner. He's the type of guy if we're able to really force him to stay in the pocket and I think we should be able to get some pass some pass rush on these guys, we're going to find a lot of success. He's going to try to just navigate through things, and if we just really contain him and not let him run wild, I think we should be in a pretty good spot, especially defensively for a team that's struggled to tackle in space. I, those are all great points, and I, I truly believe that you're right on all those things. This is the first time all season, according to Coach Dykes, that we've had a fully healthy wide receiver room, which I think we're going to need to take advantage of. But the thing that, for me, that goes along to your point is Marcel Brooks is apparently fully healthy. And I would love to see him out there because he, where we lack is a pass rush. And if Gillespie wants to still drop three linemen and blitz one linebacker, Marcel Brooks has got to do it. Ever since his, his first year at TCU and his first game versus Iowa State, he has collapsed 
every single pocket he's had the opportunity to play in, really. So especially for your point, this is the game in general. Marcel Brooks, if he can go out there and give you solid reps, at least on passing downs, it, it, it opens up a whole new world for the TCU defense. You know, I'd love to see Brooks get some time in there. Brooks and Banks, especially, are two types of guys that can really wreak havoc. Jadrick Banks, I I talked to him earlier this year. He mentioned this game specifically as sort of a homecoming for him, being a guy that went to North uh, North Shore out in Houston. So, you know, look for something interesting to happen with that because we do have a lot of Houston guys and guys that are looking to make plays in their hometown. Speaking of hometown and Houston guys, this is a bit. This is a big game for recruiting. Uh, because if Houston's able to beat TCU, that tells a lot of the message to the Houston recruiting base and that TCU can go into Houston. You know, some guys might be on visits to get a chance to see that. So that's another opportunity. But also, Houston's won some recruiting battles over TCU. Matthew Golden, who's probably their best receiver, he was considering TCU. And Michael Harrison, pilot, who was a high four-star last year that many compared uh, to QJ, uh, just because they went to the same high school and similar size and whatnot. Uh, so this could be a huge springboard for not only Dana Holgerson, but the whole entire Houston football program. Yeah, uh, springboard is an interesting way to phrase it because when you look at what Texas is doing going into the SEC, they sort of plan two years out to get their roster into a place to be SEC ready. Houston, on the other hand, is sort of planning to be Big 12 ready right now as they're already in the Big 12. So I think it's interesting to think about that comparison, especially when you talk about the lack of talent as a whole throughout this roster, especially from a depth perception. perception. And I think it's going to be interesting to compare that and see that on the field against TCU on Saturday, especially when you're talking about, okay, well, if you're pitching your program towards a 17-, 18-year-old, do you want to see a program they can develop in or a program that they can just go in and play in immediately? and may not find success in their first couple of years. So that's sort of where these two programs are at in my mind, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out on Saturday. It, it is interesting. And with the world of college football now, recruiting has never been more up in the air because you have so many factors. And, you know, TCU seems like a great spot for a lot of factors in recruiting, but the other time it's not. Houston, like you said, do you want to get developed? Do you want to play right away? Sometimes playing right away helps guys develop better, but overall we've seen that development of programs – outside of the the big blue bloods is the way to go for most kids. So that's going to be a good point, Alan. My my key to the game here for TCU is, honestly, don't turn the ball over. Simple as that. I mean, you can call it a lazy take and a lazy key, but if you match the possessions, you should win this game. If TCU's offense gets six possessions and Houston's gets six, TCU's going to win the game. If – you don't turn the ball over it. When you give extra possessions away, that's the thing. Don't put the ball on the ground. You got to be able to read. That's what lost us Colorado, Alan, was turnovers. So, and frankly, you when you have the team like TCU does where you get in shootouts, every possession is valuable because TCU can score on a possession. But also defensively so far this year, I feel like any team can score against us every possession. So if we're playing this kind of offense – you got to limit the turnovers. And I honestly think that the, the talent gap and the coaching advantage that we have, if the possessions are even, we win this game. So that's going to be the thing for me is just protect the football. Yeah, I agree. I think if the turnover battle is even, we should be in a good spot. And at the end of the day, we just got to play well. We just got to be able to play our game and not let, you know, get too riled up going into their place and the first road atmosphere we're going to play in this year. And 
sort of just manage that new environment. All right, Al, what's your hot take for this game? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go with the hot take of the week. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to predict we're going to have three turnovers and I'm going to give you the individuals that are going to be possessing the football at the end of all the turnovers. Uh, I'm going to go with Avery Helm, Shadrach Banks, and then Paul Oyewale are going to each end up either intercepting a pass or recovering a fumble. Oh, you you really went specifically on that hot take. Because now if we do get three, if we do force three turnovers, then it's like, well, did Allen get all three of them right? Because you had, you had to go that route. You just had to make it more difficult for yourself. But I hope that happens. Because if that happens, I think we win this game. And if we don't, it's going to be a long season. Yeah. <laughs> so my hot take for this game, my hot take for this game is – I think the Bama boys combined for four touchdowns. JoJo Earl and Trey Sanders combined for four touchdowns. Now, if, you, if you're going to – that's just my hot take. But if you're going to ask me how that happens, I think that Trey Sanders scores two on the ground since he is our red zone short yardage running back. Um, and then I think JoJo Earl receives a touchdown, and I believe he has a punt return for a touchdown. So my hot take is the Bama boys score four touchdowns this weekend in Houston. Yeah, I, I really do hope that happens. Who knows? Might even bring in Tommy Brockermeyer to go get one, and that would count towards your total. Oh but God. at the end of the day, we do have the Bama players that could score those four touchdowns and not make it look too difficult. Exactly. I mean, and I like it. And if you're out there and you listen to podcasts, if you're in a legally betting state, Trey Sanders scored two touchdowns is plus 1,000. Trey Sanders is undisputably been named the short yardage back. Third and two, third and short, goal line guy. So you get in the red zone, he's the guy. It's not going to be Amani Bailey. Now, the thing is, TCU could score a lot of big plays that could affect that. But I think if you're inside the seven-yard line, you got to assume it's going to Trey Sanders that uh, at least once or twice. So good value on that. Uh, look it up for my listeners, find those good value bets. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a game for TCU that I think we should win. I think if you – at the beginning of the season before Colorado happened, I think both of us would have been pretty confident in this and would have expected this number to be a lot more than seven and a half. But we're here now with the team we thought we had that, frankly, is healthier than they've been all season. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And it's uh, – it's a chance for TCU to get to two and one and who knows how the bottom of the rankings are going to shake out. I think we're like 28 right now. Could even be an opportunity for us to catapult into the rankings going into SMU. Ooh, that SMU game is going to be a, a wild one. And this time next week, we listen to the podcast. It, no matter what happens, it's going to be a very interesting one in a tone that I have not really had in the podcast going to SMU in quite some time. So I'll leave it at that up to your interpretation. Alan, what is your official prediction for the game this weekend? So I think that this is a game for TCU that this is going to be a moment where Sonny really gets them fired up. We play our first good game of the season and we're leaving the uh, game knowing that we are the team we thought we were. Give me TCU 42, Houston 17. Wow. Going big, Allen. Yeah. 
No, I'm very confident in this team and that we've learned from our previous mistakes and are going to be really ready with everything firing for 7 p.m. on Fox on Saturday. I sure hope you're right. Uh, to me, this is this has been a rough week for me with, uh, with football in general. I mean, between the Colorado loss, the way we didn't look super efficient versus Nichols, the Chicago Bears being embarrassed on America's Game of the Week, it's been a tough week for football for me all in all. And this week versus Houston, it's really setting up to be an ultimate dagger for me when it comes to football. I don't think we lose the game, but the small spread and the way that the gambling splits are going has me concerned. Now, obviously, gambling splits is not an oracle into the future, but it does give you some insight. The the, the right mood to make in this game is probably to bet Houston plus seven and a half. I will not be doing so. I think that if this game is played, a hundred times TCU wins it probably upper eighties amount of times you'd call it like 85 to 86 times out of a hundred. What the only way Houston wins this game is if chaos ensues. That's what they need to do to win this game. If they play the same game, they played against basically either the first two games, we're going to win this game. The, the scary part is Alan is if we played how we did versus Nichols, we're going to lose this game. This is a game where TCU loses. It is because of mental errors, not because of coaching and not because of physical talent. With that being said, Chandler Morris, I've said this before, both on and off the record, there were going to be games this year where we were like, what is this kid doing? There was also going to be games this year where we're like, this kid might be one of the best quarterbacks I've ever put on a TCU uniform talent-wise. Both are going to happen this year. I believe one game has already happened in that facet. I think Chandler Morris is going to have his game this weekend where he reminds us how talented he really is. And when he is mentally prepared, all will go right. With all that being said, I believe the final score for this game will be TCU 41, Houston 35 with a backdoor cover. But it's a game that TCU fans are happy with. Overall, Houston gets some lucky breaks and some perfectly executed play calls. But overall, TCU shows a good holding of the game it's never really too scary of the game overall but the backdoor cover is what kills it um so my final 41 35 is what i think happens for the frogs yeah i mean i'd take that at this point just give me a win baby and then that's all we need so if we win this game we're two and one two and one's not bad two and one's not the best but it's not bad so end of the day you know, I do want to give one final shout out before we log off of here. Shout out to the men's golf team, uh, second place down in San Antonio uh, as a team, second only to Vanderbilt. And I think one of our guys even was one or tied for the win in the tournament. They must not do a playoff, but shout out to the golf team. Shout out to the golf team. All right, Alan, anything else before we depart? Uh, nothing else for me. Just go for Hawks. All right. We'd like to thank everyone involved in the production. Producer Slosh Nail, Owen, our graphics uh, designer, Nicholas Capasso, our super fan, Jameson Mullen, our director of content. Uh, thank, we thank you all for listening to the podcast. We're going to keep trying to give you guys good quality, wholesome TCU content, as well as our gambling picks as well. Remember to follow us on social media, Frog Pod Podcast on Instagram. Al and I are both on Twitter. I apologize if for those of you who follow either of us because we have not really been tweeting much lately, but hopefully this weekend will give us a reason to change that. 
Um, so with that being said, always remember to make every day your best day and go frogs. <laughs>